Hi, welcome to the Transforming Spaces podcast by Gendered Intelligence. My name's Annie and my pronouns are she or they. And I'm Frankie and my pronouns are he, him. In this podcast, we'll be running through some of the talks delivered at the Transforming Spaces conference in 2018. Gendered Intelligence is a charity that works to increase understandings of gender diversity and help improve the lives of all trans people. Our vision is of a world where people are no longer constrained by narrow perceptions and expectations of gender, and where diverse gender expressions are visible and valued. If you're interested in supporting Gendered Intelligence or to find out more about our youth work, volunteer scheme, educational and professional services, please visit genderedintelligence.co.uk or follow us on our Twitter at genderintel. So this week's talk is the topic of our safety on the high streets and we'll be hearing from Director of Open Barbers, Gregory Vass, and also a Lush representative exploring ethical practice in their stores. And the panel is hosted by Jezza Donovan. If you yourselves want to go and check out and visit and hang out in the beautiful space of Open Barbers, please do go to their website, which is openbarbers.com um, and they will be welcoming with you. With <laughs> open arms and cups of tea. All right, everyone, we'll make a start. Thank you very, very much for being here at the conference um, at all, and especially thank you for joining us in this session. Uh, my name is Jezza Donovan. I work for Gendered Intelligence, uh, mainly leading trans awareness uh, training sessions around the country. I've been in Manchester twice this week already. It's all been very exciting. Um, we are here until 12.25, asking, can we feel safe on the high street? Um, obviously the high street has gone, you know, is a bastion of Britishness historically, but it's changed immeasurably in recent times, mainly due, of course, to the internet, revolutionising the way that everyone shops. In many ways, this can be really beneficial to a lot of people, including trans people. More autonomy over buying clothes online, trying them on in the comfort and safety of your own home, rather than braving clothing shops, which can be incredibly gendered spaces, and obviously buying certain products such as toiletries, cosmetics, which again can be very gendered. People buy their gender um, through their shower gel and through their moisturiser, and woe betide the man who makes the mistake of buying moisturiser rather than face protector. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm absolutely fine with whatever you want to put on your faces, you know, so long as it's nothing illegal, that's all good. But isn't it weird how we are so obsessed over gendering soap? <laughs> which generally, we, it's a good idea, we all accept that if we all use it. Um, so those gendered spaces are taking a bit of a bashing. Some people like that, some people don't. And of course, there's the whole thing about which changing rooms do you use in department stores? And we've all had plenty of stories and perhaps had our own experiences of those. And they can be significantly uncomfortable. There's also the fact that prices vary hugely. The woman tax is a very real thing. Why is it that when my dad gets his hair trimmed, well under 20 quid, my mum gets exactly the same thing and you're talking 40 or 50 plus? I mean, it's just hair, seriously. I admit I'm not a hairdresser. I'm quite a good stylist, but don't ask me to cut your hair, it will end in tears. Um, but why? The woman tax, preying on people's insecurities. If we all woke up tomorrow and basically felt okay about ourselves, the high street would literally disappear, but well, not quite, but it would hugely change. So, uh, without further ado, we're going to hear from two people who are making a difference on the high streets, make it safer uh, and more accessible for trans people and indeed everyone. First of all, we're going to hear from Gregory uh, from Open Barbers. Um, some of you may have been there already yourselves. I have. 
Um, but don't judge it by this because it needs doing. It's a bit of a mess. Um, Gregory is one half with business partner Felix of Open Barbers, a hairdressing service for all lengths, genders, and sexualities. The barbershop also serves as a social place for people to hang out. An impressive collection of zines, I have to say, and comfy sofas, all good stuff. Um, I'm also joined by Kai from Lush, as in Lush, the one that you can smell as soon as you leave the house. <laughs> which is no bad thing, I'm not complaining. Um, born in Heidelberg in Germany, which we've just been talking about, and I'm going to go there very soon. Um, attending, he attended college in, with a focus on business, foreign languages, and cultural studies. And you've been working for Lush for seven years, both in Germany and in the UK, doing lots of work with the staff about building their own community as well as serving the wider community, which is all really exciting. And most importantly, I love this, the proud father of one big ginger cat. That says all good things to me. So we're going to hear from both of them. They're going to present to us. Uh, and then when they've both presented, I'll be back up here. So without further ado, please give a very warm welcome to Gregory. Thank you. Thank you. You're so great introducing so I could listen to you all day. Um, okay, so thanks for having me at this conference. It's a real honour to be here. Um, talking about what we've been doing at Open Barbers. So we've sort of got maybe 15 or so minutes that I'm going to introduce what Open Barbers is, what we do, um, why we set up Open Barbers and what difference we think it's it's made to our clients. I'm also going to add on to those things, also some techniques and tactics that we use at Open Barbers um, that we feel is different from maybe what people are getting elsewhere. Um, so Open Barbers is a hair salon. Um, as you said in the introduction, we explicitly, well, we're called Open Barbers, but we welcome everybody in terms of uh, genders, obviously, but also in terms of hair lengths and styles that people might be looking for. Um, the ethos of Open Barbers is that we, um, we want to be a space where people can feel that they can get a haircut that suits how they feel that they're in control of their own experience when it comes to getting a haircut and being styled. Um, we find that um, from personal experiences that as well as from things that we hear from other people that that, that isn't something that happens often enough um, and we're sort of wanting very much to be very client-centred. Um, I'm just going to sort of have our website up and show various sections of the website just so it's um, a, a public space that people can see at other times as well as here. Um, so we, we're a social enterprise as well, we're a not-for-profit um, which means that any we're, our, our registration as a social enterprise is that we are we state ourselves as being um, there to serve the needs of LGBTQI people. So any sort of surpluses that we might make financially in the business, we have said that we commit to putting back into meeting the needs of LGBTQI people. Um, but our pricing policy is that we, rather than first of all not having a gendered price. Um, but second of all, not having fixed prices, so enabling people to decide what they can actually afford to pay for a haircut. We suggest anything from £2 up to £50, and we do get people paying £2, and we do get people paying £50, sometimes £60, um, because they really like what we're doing and want to sort of pay it forward. Um, but by having that policy, what it means is that people can um, decide to, to pay what's within their means. Um, there isn't any shame in somebody not being able to afford very much for a haircut, but there are also people who who feel that by paying more they can subsidise somebody else who can't pay more. So a sliding scale pricing policy um, is what we have in place. 
Um, it seems to be one of the things that people are most confused about how we manage to run a business with a sliding scale pricing system. Um, another thing that we do at Open Bar Business, as you mentioned, we have sofas and a big kitchen table, um, a zine collection and some books. Uh, we have Wi-Fi, we have tea and coffee that people can help themselves to. Um, and we host, we have a room at the back which is a sort of relatively flexible space that we have collaborators working in there. So mostly the work that happens in our back room is therapy. We have three different therapists who deliver their services from our back room. Um, but we also have a masseuse. Um, we have various community groups including um, a Narcotics Anonymous group for that's inclusive of trans, queer and sex workers. We have um, an LGBT carers group that use the space. We have a knitting group that comes in once a month and just do some knitting. Um, and we recently been contacted by an introvert dating group who want to meet up at Open Barbers monthly and um, as introverts uh, find, like, find people to talk to. So there's lots of different ways that the space is used by other people, both in a sort of formal way or an arranged way or also in an informal way through just people coming and hanging out and spending time there. Um, historically, we've done a lot of pop-ups um, and when Open Barbers started, we didn't have a salon. We didn't have the resources to pay for a salon space, but we used to take our skills around to different spaces and cut hair in other people's environments. Um, and so that's kind of pretty much how we got started initially, more like a kind of event. Um, and as time's gone by, we've continued to do some pop-ups that fit within our ethos. Um, recently, we cut hair at the Gendered Intelligence uh, Summer Supercamp, which was a very, very special experience. Um, and so when we feel that there are people who would benefit from our services who would probably find it difficult to get that type of service elsewhere um, and who we feel also might, um, might not be able to get to London very easily, we would prioritise doing pop-ups with those environments. But sometimes we get asked to do pop-up events in places where we feel like the people we might meet might not actually be a, a big priority for us. So sometimes we do turn things down now. Um, so we have we have a salon space which I can show you some pictures of, but we've also um, we also used to be um, a space that didn't have a, a shop front face to it. Um, so we used to rent a room at the back of another salon at one point in our history, and that meant that people could only come to us if they knew that we existed. But now we're in a position where we actually have a shop that has a street face to it, so people do just walk in off the street, which is made for a different experience as well for us. Sometimes we do training, talks and events, but that's a much smaller part of what we do as a, as a business. Um, so w the reason why we set up is because, very similarly to the introduction talking about getting bad, having bad experiences trying to get haircuts, but the, the catalyst for Open Barbers comes from personal experience. Like I'm a trans person, um, all through my childhood and teenage years, getting haircuts was always a very compromised experience, sometimes upsetting. Um, I always had visions of what I wanted for my hair and I was never ever able to either communicate or have that hairdresser or barber trust that I knew what I wanted and give me what I had in my mind. So that's really the catalyst for it. And when I was a teenager, I went to university, decided I was at art school, so I didn't go into hairdressing from a, from a younger age. Well, as an art school, which is an environment where you can just shave chunks off your hair and people think it's cool, so you can get away with quite a lot. Um, so I started cutting my own hair and that was what, how I ended up with 
some kits and then students are like can you cut my hair so and family and it just sort of grew from there um, so I taught myself how to cut hair in the most part but then I did go to college at a later point to try and learn a bit more about the, the trade um, but it was mostly through meeting other queer and trans people which I think MJ was t- touched on that the, the, the personal experience became a shared experience and I realised that I certainly wasn't the only person who'd had those, those difficulties but also that it was a very, very community-wide anxiety like it's a very felt anxiety especially within queer and trans environmental spaces or with people, queer and trans people um, so that became um, something that made it about providing a service for others um, I have a very strong feeling that um, our ethos is that, n- that no one should be excluded and I think when Jay was talking earlier about the flexible edges of um, what it means to dis- to set up spaces I think that is very much also something I think about a lot is um, who's welcome here and what like in, and what terms are people welcome here and how can we make that as open and as positive and confidence building as possible um, for everybody um, and I think one of the other reasons why we set up is because the hair and beauty industries just haven't changed enough when it comes to um, learning from queer and trans people there's still even though there is sort of um, there's flirtation with androgyny as a style or you know like gender um, non-conformity it still feels like it sits very much within the world of fashion or very much within the world of um, sort of what's, what seems to be trending and I'm not really sure that businesses quite understand what they're doing with that um, but we still also have situations where people's genders are policed all the time constantly the, the num- number of stories I could tell you about things that clients have told us that they've been told by other salons and barbershops about what's appropriate what's suitable what won't suit them and some of the quite I'm sure unintended but quite um, rude things that people have said to, to clients in the past so that just really does need to change and um, within hair and beauty the, the binary is still very very strong so again that's a motivation for us so in terms of the differences that we've made to our clients I think in the most part we do reach I mean we don't ask people how they identify when they come in the door because some people like we, it's not a space which is exclusively for LGBTQI people and the reason for that is because every, there's no reason there's no need to have a space that is you're in the club and you're not in the club. So it's really important that everybody feels welcome. Um, Having said that, I'm sure that a lot of people who make the effort to come to Open Barbers come because they they don't feel able to go anywhere else. So I think our client base is very much made up of um, people who are prepared to wait, who are prepared to travel because the other other salons are just not able to meet their needs. Um, I've learned learned a hell of a lot from our clients over the years. some of the differences that we that I know that we've made to people are that sometimes the haircut they've received at Open Barbers is the first time that they ever actually feel that they've ever been listened to by a, a hairdresser and that it's the first time that they've ever been given the haircut that they actually wanted. And so that was for them perhaps the first time that they could know that that style was actually correct for them or right for them. Because sometimes um, they've been told, oh, that would be too short. So if we're the first people that's ever done that haircut, that's short for them they've never otherwise been able to know whether or not that is actually the haircut that they want and often it is. Um, clients do know what they want, believe it or not. Um, I think for a lot of people, transition, 
people have been transitioning and when they've come to, to see open barbers for the first time, they might be at a point where they've never been able to talk to somebody about how they might be able to alter or change or adapt or have a flexible appearance that um, fits with their journey of transition. Um, I think just treating people with respect and dignity. Sometimes trans people have learned to have such low expectations in life that um, sometimes people are incredibly overwhelmed by the fact that they've been treated respectfully, which I think is really quite such a low bar. But um, it's also something that I think is such so fundamental um, in the work that we're doing. Um, access, both physical access, the, this shop space that we have now is a disabled access space on various levels, um, but also access in terms of anxiety and um, uh, kind of mental health stuff. There's, there's a few strategies that I'll mention that we um, that we have in place to sort of support people who are feeling extremely anxious. Um, we talked about the pricing policy, so that's that's another thing that we know has made a really big difference to people, is being able to afford to get the haircut that they want. Like you were saying before, the, the women's tax, etc. Um, people feeling like they can actually, that they can get the, a quality haircut that fits with what they need, that has included some consultation, but that also hasn't meant that they don't, that, that they have the resources to be able to pay for that service. I think trans and queer people sometimes do need more time um, to figure out what it is that they want and they shouldn't necessarily be charged extra for the privilege of somebody taking some time to, to talk that through with them. And I think we've also, since we've moved into our current premises, we've had a lot more people walking in off the street. We've had local residents coming in and getting haircuts with us and just generally like a wider community alliance. And I think that's actually really important to us that we feel that we have good um, relationships with our neighbours and that we're not seen as a kind of um, secret project where sort of people go in and go out and we don't really know what's going on, which kind of the doors need to be wide open because some of those people are the people that will help us to stay safe. And if we're nice people, they're going to be like, they're good people, don't, don't be dicks. Um, uh, we also feel that our, some of our therapists and masseuses um, and some of the people that work in the back room have had the opportunity to test out their business by starting with us and have like gone on to sort of build up their businesses and become full-time in what they're doing um, but by having an opportunity to have an affordable trial session by renting space with us or sharing space with us that has made a difference for them um, and also just generally community building and it's, it's a sober space and it's open in the daytime for a lot of the time we find that there's very few places for people to go and meet other people that is free to go into um, and where there's not, it's not going to be alcohol-centred um, and you can just chat to the person that's there in a very casual way. Um, so I mentioned that we have longer time. So the way that when people book in an appointment online, it's not a case of saying um, time, is, time is money. The, the longer your hair appointment, the more you have to pay. Um, we just allow sort of consultation time or self-care time for those that need it. Um, our pricing system is sliding scale, which again is a, is a tactic to what makes things gender neutral, but also what makes things possible and affordable for everyone. Um, we have a we try to be very client led in how we deliver our customer service. So we um, we ask people if they'd like to face the mirror. 
they don't have to. Um, it's, it is a misnomer that facing the mirror is mandatory when you're getting your hair cut. Um, you don't have to talk if you don't want to um, when you're getting your hair cut. Sometimes people just like to close their eyes and just sit quietly. I don't take that personally. I also don't want to inundate someone else with or with my chat um, while I've got them captive in my chair. So it's just nice to sort of give people options. We, when people book an appointment online, they can tell us what pronouns they use. They don't have to, um, but it sometimes helps people to know that when they're in the space, um, we know what their pronouns are and we're able to sort of be confident in letting other people know that as well if we need to. Um, we have a big zine collection, which a lot of which are uh, zines that our clients have written and produced themselves. So there's lots of peer learning that goes on in the space, whether that's face-to-face or whether that's through sharing zines that sometimes have quite sort of complex and challenging content in them, but are actually it's quite sometimes quite nice to know that you're not the only person who struggles with those things. Um, and we have a lookbook that we made ourselves with an artist called Amy Pennington. And she, um, she's, she sat with us and drew pictures of our clients' haircuts sort of anonymizing gender so it was mostly about focusing on the hair and um, we have some of those pictures on our website but um, the idea behind the lookbook was about finding images that can give you inspiration for a hairstyle that isn't going to be about looking at google and ending up with loads of pictures of a, gen- a haircut that you like but a gender that you don't feel is you or also just faces and body shapes that um that you don't really identify with so those are some of the tactics that we've used um, i'm really happy to elaborate more when we have a Q&A at the end. <laughs> Great, thank you so much. So we're going to hear from Kai now, who's going to talk about his work with Lush, both here in Germany and here in the UK. And then there'll be some time afterwards for some, uh, lots of questions for Kai, it's and then possibly um, some time for a couple of questions for um, Gregory as well. So, thank you all for coming. Um, my name is Kai, my pronouns are he and him. I've been working for Lush for seven years, as you might have heard earlier. And my presentation is going to be a little bit about what we're doing in Lush, in terms of internal, internal things, but also externally. Some of you might have met me or have been into one of the smelly shops that we've got all across the UK. And as you know, we don't believe in gendered cosmetics. So all of our things, if you were to come and be like, do you have a men's shampoo? Probably you will end up getting a lecture from one of our staffs because it's something we feel very passionate about. Something I, when I travel around, because I'm supporting a lot of different shops, is um, to make sure that all are always welcome. So this is one of our mottos. Whether that is um, foreign affairs or inclusivity, it doesn't matter. We, it's something that we all believe in. This presentation, I'm just going to give you a little bit of what we believe in as a company um, in terms of our staff. So. We believe in giving people a voice, um, your workplace being a safe place and also inclusivity, respect and diversity. So the way that looks is we have work groups, we have events, we have charity pop, we work um, with a lot of local charities, so please hit us up if you know something about one as well. Um, We believe in freedom of expression, tolerance and education as well. When it comes down to management, this is something, um, hence why I feel so comfortable in my company as well, is we have kind of a motto when we talk about management things, and it's just the basis of just be a decent human being, please. <laughs> um, so when you think about actions, um, we always have this as our motto at the beginning of it, um, and that always leads, leads us to further things as well. So here's a little list of things that we're doing so far. Obviously, we have a couple of works of... Um, more that you're going to see in a second as well. Um, so at the moment, we had just now, I 
queer and trans meetup uh, for internal staff where we had like a little working group and a sort of think tank how we can make our company even better because we believe that you can't be just good we always need to strive to be better because there's always one more step to take um, that's what, what one of my members of staff at who is non-binary who's leading this with me as well um, so we're always looking into hiring a diverse workforce might that be in gender or in heritage as well um, as we believe it makes us a stronger team then following this, we had a trans campaign in North America, and um, we also had a big chunk of our last summit, so where all of us came together to look at campaigns and also all ethical sides of our business. And we had a queer cafe with queer, filled with queer literature and staff as well to have and open up the conversation a little bit about gender. Um, Following this as well, um, we did give out the badges as well, which we are hopefully going to make widely available in stores as soon as we found an ethical source of badges. That's kind of like the last hurdle we have to take at the moment. Um, so we worked also closely um, with Mermaids um, at Lush Oxford Street, and that's something we would like to continue in the future as well. Um, as mentioned, Mermaids is a trans charity as well, as well as gender inclusivity. Um, so we have a little project called Charity Pot, where um, everyone in the team can decide which local charity they want to give to, whether it's going to be humanitarian, environmental, or um, social causes. So as of this year, we have also added MX to our board um, internally. So you get all of your letters through that, as well as of your chosen name on the payroll. Um, if it hasn't been um, officially changed yet, we will take the first initial just to keep that as comfortable for everyone as possible. We're also going to roll out sensitivity training um, through all of our staff. We already have that with customer care, for example, so if you call them, they will know um, what a non-binary person is, for example, um, which is something that we've seen in other companies is not standard, unfortunately, as of yet. We also try to always hire diverse um, in terms of our adverts and campaigns. So here you can see Connor, um, one of again like one of my close colleagues, um, who modeled for our makeup as well. So we look always for talent in between our staff um, as well as hiring diverse there as well. And something that we, you probably know from Lush as well, is that we always ask for feedback. We see feedback as a gift, so we constantly are trying to better ourselves through receiving feedback from our staff as well as from customers. In the works, <laughs> like a little cheeky animation there. So um, as I mentioned before, we are looking to um, reach out with the standard sensitivity training of, across all 105 schools across the UK and Ireland. Um, at the moment, it's happening in some stores. It's not happening in all of them, and that's our next goal that we've been working on at the moment. And that's also something that I'm working towards closely myself. We are practicing a non-gendered approach in our stores in Bristol and Southampton. Um, so that is something that, again, like is happening in more stores. We are, these two stores are trying to put together a training pack, so again, we can roll it out at 105 stores. So you will find in a lot of different Lush stores, you will have lots of different little projects going on that add to the bigger picture as well. Something I'm working on as well, again, you have me, um, is putting an events pack together. So we've just had the queer and trans meetup um, for the internals in London, but we're sending this out to all stores, so we're hopefully going to be able to provide also, again, a safe space for the community and for everyone to host their own event. Um, we're also establishing a diversity committee. So I spoke um, with Patrick from Talent and Diversity yesterday. Um, it's something we have in place. 
we're just kind of organizing it now because we're a bunch of hippies trying to change the world, so bear with us. Um, and we're constantly, again, reviewing how we could be more inclusive. And I think this is something that I would like to recommend to everyone that has a business is to constantly review yourself as well. Then what we can show for it. So a lot of times when we go to business things, they ask us, what do you get back? So why do you do this? So definitely something I've seen all across the stores is we have a lot of returning customers, we have a lot of regulars who are very grateful for what we're doing as well, as well as having won the Which Best Customer Service Award this year. Um, we try always to create a five-star atmosphere for all of our staff, which then in return we have a high staff retention, very high motivated and proactive staff, which is hopefully something you've seen whenever you've gone into a Lush store. So um, we are very proud of this and we're constantly getting in the feedback from everyone to make it an even more inclusive space. So last but not least, I wanted to just finish up with a little quote um, that is from my Constantine, one of our co-founders. Something that I feel very strongly about. Uh, so before, before I pop that up, I just want to say, when I, seven years ago, I applied for Lush, no retail job would have given me a job. I, um, obviously feminine, but still a trans man. I had piercings, which in Germany, anyone's been to Germany is like already outrageous. I had colored hair, no one would have employed me, and I looked a little bit crazy, and sometimes was a little bit too rambly, as you now notice as well. Um, something when we look at recruitment, we always look for passionate people, enthusiastic, ethical, and we employ the fanatics, as he said, um, with a little twinkle in his eye. We employ the crazy people that other people won't employ because they're too crazy. This is something I'm very, very proud of. Um, so I always look around and see which people, which talent you can also nurture from this, because seeing me seven years after, I'm still here, still campaigning for Lush, doing lots of things outside work as well to kind of, to get a better opportunity for all of our staff. And as always, all are welcome. Thank you very much. listening to the transforming spaces podcast our next conference will be running on the 15th and 16th of november 2019 so make sure to save the date and we'll let you know when tickets are up i know i will <laughs> thanks for listening and if you want to continue this conversation or you have any points to add we'd be really interested to hear your views um, so do please tweet us at at gender and tell Ha <laughs> <laughs>